Jesus, is that tomato paste? Oh, good, it is blood on my finger. <laughs> Which is good, because if it wasn't blood, then there would have been food on my finger for like two hours. <laughs> Thank God, that's an internal fluid. <laughs> yeah, at least it's like self-replenishing was the main, the main thing. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station as we hurtle through the stars at the speed of sound. Thank you for joining us in the brand new year 2018. With you here again, I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Did I say 2018? <laughs> yes! <laughs> he's the first time it matters, and ladies and gents, he's fucked it up already. God damn it! <laughs> 2019. Welcome to 2019. We're doing that we're thing like, where we're drawing over the top of it. <laughs> we'll go over we'll that. 2019. <laughs> 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 We're back. Yeah, we are. Oh man. Hell yeah. Uh, we didn't uh we didn't beg for forgiveness on Facebook this time about the fact that we were taking a week off. Yeah, no, probably should have given people a heads up, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, but let us know if we were missed. Fuck you, it's a free podcast. How's that, eh? Um <laughs> We'll do better. Yeah, yeah. Um and we thought that we'd start off the new year with a little bit of a retrospective episode. Going through um, all of the films that have been released so far in 2019. <laughs> covering those. All of the films that have been released in the last Four 50 days. years. <laughs> I've done my top 10. Have you done yours? Oh, I think there's been a bit of a miscommunication. What did you like better? better? Godfather 2 or Police Academy 4? I've ranked them all. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Not gonna uh, lie, eight of my top I, um, ten were Super Troopers. <laughs> so yeah, we we discussed Starship Troopers. Fuck! <laughs> Imagine making a mistake this early in the episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we um, when Andrew and I were talking about the fact that we want to do a top ten, we sort of we decided our little top tens here are gonna just be a top ten countdown of like main feature releases that came out in 2018. So you're not gonna see Shrek. <laughs> for example, yeah. or Apocalypse Now, or any of those old movies we've covered throughout Which the year. Which is a pity because Shrek would have uh, would have really cleaned made up. It. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like when what? Just like at the Oscars. Uh, yeah. So you're not going to see um, any of those old movie films that we covered in, in our top ten lists. But we've decided that there are so many old films that we saw this year that I don't think I would have seen if it weren't for this podcast. Absolutely we, we not. might have a few little honourable mentions. So we're going to yeah. have three little sections in this episode, hopefully. We'll do a top ten. We've each prepared our top ten list of movies we enjoyed most this year. We're going to do a little bit of an honourable mentions that might include older films, maybe uh, other stuff we didn't necessarily cover on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then and our third category is musical games or, or whatever. Yeah. Honourable mentions for films and then other media that we also enjoyed. That I also enjoyed, yeah. Because yeah. I, think, I think both of us have pretty different enough hobbies outside of this podcast in terms of the taste of the media that we consume mm. that I think it's interesting to cover what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, and a couple of our podcasts that we listened to a lot recently did this and I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, so yeah. Hopefully this is interesting. Good way to do it. Let us know. If um, it's not... See you later. Join your next episode. <laughs> yeah. um, how are we going to do this? We well, go- let's start off with a bit of context. So I thought what, what it would be interesting to do is to go through the top 10 highest grossing films. I actually, yeah, I actually pulled up the same list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, we can kind of look at what what was globally, financially the most popular and then um, compare to... What was objectively to- the most artistic. Yeah, exactly. And of of which is our list of the highest merit. More specifically, yeah. <laughs> my list. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, I think fucking Predator almost made my top ten list. So. <laughs> we yeah. will have very different perspectives on this <laughs> little all right little article. So should we rip through the highest grossing list from ten to one then? Yeah, well, so, I've got them written down. Okay, great. Um, 
So hopefully the site that you're looking at is <laughs> the same information, <laughs> the same, but as the fucking scrawled notebook that you've <laughs> yeah. got in front of you. All right. So Which I've got uh, number ten was Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Correct. At about six hundred and thirty million dollars. Yep. Jesus Christ, that's such a huge amount of money already. Yeah. I mean, I know they're all. It's <laughs> They're all going to be huge amounts of money. Yeah, six hundred thirty yeah, mils. Such a, a that's a big number. Such an insane amount of money, and it makes me think that like they're probably oh no, it was Mortal Engines we we're talking about. They're probably not going to do a sequel for that because yeah. that was a bit of a flop, right? Yeah. We're definitely going to get sequels to this. Um, obviously. Absolutely. And um, I hope that the next ones are good. I think I talked on the Harry Potter episode about the idea that there are so many actually exciting ways that you could explore this Fantastic Beast universe, Harry Potter spin-off series they're doing mm. and it just seems what like they're just, they're just trying to shoehorn it into like a story about Dumbledore which is fine and I'm happy to watch that but it's not as interesting to me as doing something new with the universe yeah it'll be so were, boring and I think that's what you, that's what you were talking about or what we were sort of talking about in a part previous episodes about doing remakes and franchises and things that it's only interesting if you do something exciting and new if you just do something kind of predictable and bullshit like this I don't think it's as interesting yeah that's why I think like you know in general Reboots are better than remakes, and yeah. you know, like just yeah. uh, the more that's the more hot, that you're that's inventing. That's a hot take. I think so. I think in like I would rather reboots are better than remakes. I would rather yeah. watch a, a reboot of a character or a situation or a story than yeah. watch someone attempt to faithfully reconstruct the original version. For like really no reason other than yeah, sure. people well, don't like looking or or listening to old stuff. I suppose that's the same reason why we've got like all these <laughs> fucking Disney movies at the moment, mm. um, where they're doing them all like live action or whatever. Right. And like, it just seems like it's for the sake of it, just yeah. to make more money, just to have a re-release in the cinemas. Doubling back on myself as devil's <laughs> advocate, video games. Yeah. Love a good HD remaster. Yeah, well, I think that's... But I also don't mind a reboot, and maybe well, I, reboots are better. I think they're just much rarer in I video think, games. I think in video games, that's not necessarily a remake as much as it is, yeah, like a remaster. It's like getting a new mm. coat of paint on the old on the But old what about thing. the new, like, new Ratchet & Clank, right? Say that. So Ratchet & Clank, for those of you who aren't gamers, is a video game series. Big PlayStation 2 game, yeah. and when they release the remaster, they also sort of change levels and change parts mm. of the story to sort of improve it. I think in that, in that context... Maybe video games are different. Yeah, they I think are, that, I they, think are, they are, are different. I think they are. But like, I think that in that sense, there's a really there's a really fine art to doing a video game remaster because they have to make it feel like you remember. Yeah. Like if you ever go back and play like the original Pokemon games, for example, they're almost fucking unplayable. Yeah, they're because really they're bad. just so annoying and clunky. But then like a new remaster is almost going to make you feel like you're like, oh, they didn't really do very much with this remaster. It looks the same as I remember. And you go back and. You go back to the actual old game and the controls suck and the story sucks. And yeah. all that. So I think with that Ratchet and Clank thing, um, I think they they did it like I remember. And if I wasn't right. so familiar with the original one, I wouldn't have even noticed that there was much that well, was Well, like one of the big differences for me, so I was a big fan of Kingdom Hearts when it first came out on PS2, another yeah. video game series. Um, and the first Kingdom Hearts game, you controlled the camera rotating around you with the uh, like L2 and R2, oh, so the sucked. shoulder buttons, and yeah. it was fucking <laughs> bit terrible. Yeah. And when they remastered the game, they changed it so that you had this completely rotating camera based on the analog stick. And I didn't notice that they made that change until I tried playing the original version of it. And, like, it, and, I, oh. and I tried using the stick, and it was like, it just doesn't do anything. It just changes the menu options down the bottom <laughs> corner. And I was like... Oh, I can't play this. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. how I. It, it's it's a good remaster when you you like try the original one you don't again even and you're like I, I don't know how I could possibly put up with this now. Yeah, you know. But the new remaster feels 
like you're playing the first one again, exactly as you said. Yeah. Um, so different to movies, but an interesting comparison. Yeah, well, I feel like that's why it's different for movies, though. Because like with movies, when they remake a movie, it's not like they're going back and trying to do it the same as you remember, but better. That'd be almost like a remaster, like an HD scan of the movie. I feel mm. like with... um, Yeah, which is fine. Like doing... like When they pull out the original film and like do a Blu-ray... Yeah. You know, high definition. That's always scan. that's awesome. That's better. When, yeah. Like if, if you ever if you remember like the first time you ever watched like a Blu-ray on a really great TV. Mm. I remember I watched Pulp Fiction on like someone's like amazing. You can see like four K Blu-ray. Pores. You can see like the pores on their skin, <laughs> and you can like tell if someone's wearing a wig. Yeah. And like because all the film stock back then, it's all like people say like film is like infinite resolution. It's yeah. just a matter of how high the resolution you can scan it. So back the at. resolution is basically atoms. Yeah. So we have like, yeah. So we have like better ways of scanning film now. And so you can get like a better resolution or whatever. Yeah. Um, Whereas when they're recording digital, it's at the resolution of the sensor of the camera. Yeah. So you can only ever get as sensitive as the, the camera sensor. So yeah. you can't really do as much of an HD remaster on something recorded digitally as you can on film, which is why we have Blu-ray copies of films like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and look, which were recorded on film. Yeah. And you can see like shit in the far distance. You know, It's not like a bad resolution it's incredible. blown up. And it's not, you don't have to... I mean, they probably do do a little bit of work post-rescanning like re-scanning it, but... Yeah. Um, they really don't have to kind of go through and reconstruct the image. It's all there. It's just scanning it again. And I think yeah. that's also kind of why, um, touching on a, what we're going to cover next week, it's also kind of um, why a lot of modern films that are released in black and white look a bit strange because you get these like modern black and white films that look like really fucking sharp. Too crisp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or like shots in these modern... I mean, we'll talk about it next week. But there are really interesting shots in black and white films that have been released recently where... Um, it's interesting because you couldn't have got those sorts of shots in black and white films that mm. were originally released like 50, 60 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, should we move on? I think we should, yeah. Cool. So, so the next most highest... Oh, God, that was number 10. The next most... <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, let's speed through this list so we can talk about us. Yeah. Um, well, okay, I don't have numbers specifically for, for any of these, but should we yeah. just go through like pretty pretty rapid fire? Yeah, well, the, the, I, I mean, I'll make a comment about yet. The next, what's the next one on the list? So the next one is Bohemian Rhapsody. That's apparently the highest grossing musical biopic of all time. Yeah, absolutely, and I yeah. think it smashed it. So. I think it was really good. I think it was um, definitely worth worth seeing. Yep. I don't necessarily know whether... I mean, I've, I've definitely seen better uh, better musical biopics. Yep, go see it if you yeah. would go to a Queen concert. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> you know? Um, next one, Deadpool 2. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think that's Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so, kind of the, the black sheep of the Marvel universe. <laughs> um, I uh, thought Deadpool 2 sequel. was really good. It was really good. Just uh, as good as number one. So, if you didn't... I was talking yeah, to someone recently who watched same. Deadpool 1 and hated it. You'll hate, De- you'll hate yeah, Deadpool yeah, 2. Yeah. But if you loved Deadpool 1 equally, I personally think Deadpool 2 is just as good and you'll like it. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's Exactly. It's more of the same, which is good. For me. They released Once Upon a Deadpool recently. We talked about it before, yeah. where it was a PG cut of Deadpool 2, where Deadpool has Being kidnapped narrated. the kid from Princess Bride and is reading him the book of Deadpool 2 and is skipping over all the gory bits and all that. <laughs> it's apparently cool. It seems like a really fun way of introducing that movie to like a new audience. Yeah, I think um, so. But apparently they didn't do too well, I guess, because I don't know, people have already seen it. Did it, it get like out. a full cinematic release? Like or a limited, like not, maybe not, like not a, a limited cinematic release, yeah, but like nah. also that movie already made seven hundred and thirty million fucking dollars. So like as long as they didn't spend too much money on that little remake, it's a fun, it's a project. fun, fun project <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next one. Speaking of spending <laughs> too <laughs> much money, Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, um, I've got the next one on my list as being Aquaman. Oh, that's number six for me. Oh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> is yours? Are yours like swapped? 
Is the next one above Aquaman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mission yeah, yeah, Impossible yeah. Fallout? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. All right, well. Whatever. Mission Seven Impossible. and six, Mission Impossible Fallout and Aquaman. <laughs> I thought Mission Impossible Fallout was fantastic. It was really good. Um, one of my favorite films of the year, I thought. Honestly, yep. I thought it was really fun. Okay. Um, Aquaman, I'm astounded that it's this high up on the list when it I only just came out like a it. month ago. Yeah, yeah it's, but like, it's crazy. It's made... You're telling me it's made more money than... Um, Fantastic Beast. Than Fantastic Beast, and it's been out for like three times as long? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty crazy. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that as like... Because obviously they, they measure like pretty much the yeah, first week like, or whatever. It's only just come out here like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I hadn't really... I heard mixed commentary on Aquaman, as you always do with all of these. Um, some people thought it was great. Yeah. Um, people that I tend to agree with more said it was like one of the dumbest movies they've ever seen. It looks um, really stupid. And I think it's probably that. Like, you know, yeah, impressive CGI. Um, probably some moments where it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. But overall, I, mean, I don't think it'll be worth It's got like tens of percentage points more... A better score than the fucking Harry Potter movie on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Right. So Harry Potter was dumb but enjoyable. So I imagine that this will probably be just as I, dumb. I borderline didn't enjoy Fantastic Beasts. So I, I suppose I didn't either. I don't know. All I'm saying yeah. is like if it's twenty percent better than that and it's still shit, I imagine there'll be bits of it that'll be fine. But it, yeah, 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 overall, yeah. I'm I'm just fucking sick of superhero movies. Yeah, and it's got to take something really great to hook my interest. Yep. Which is why, like, I think Deadpool was exciting, and why they have to like, do Black something. Panther different. was pretty Guardians good. Guardians of the Galaxy, even. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I I don't know unless I have a really good reason to. I'm not really planning on seeing Aquaman even for this. Although maybe we should. I don't know. I don't really want to. Give us a give us a shout out if you really think we should watch it. Um, Please don't if you make really me want watch Aquaman. <laughs> if you really want to hear our opinions on it, we can go see it. Like um, if someone promised but, me that our listenership would go up by hundreds if I watch Aquaman, yeah, maybe you'd have to think about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for me, as uh, like. I don't know. I, I assume my opinion will be exactly what my opinion on the last shitty Marvel movie I saw was, which like, is like, it's found new ways to yeah. be dumb and disappointing. The, the problem is, a lot of the Marvel movies I really like. Like, Iron Man 1 is great. Mm. I really enjoyed watching Avengers, a few Captain America movies, etc., etc. Right. But when they're all just as good as each other, and three come out every year for 10 years. Yeah, and you just get fatigued. Anything that's not the original one is a complete pastiche. Well, yeah, like I like I imagine like for the fact that you said Iron Man 1 is yeah. I think indicative. Well, that's right? all I mean. Like yeah. um it's like a, if anyone like 20 years in the same way as we we mentioned before in the same way as we watched some western films this year mm. and we're like, "Oh, Good Man Bag is pretty good" or whatever. I imagine in a vacuum if in 40 years time anyone goes back and watches like I don't know, fucking any of these superhero movies, they'd probably enjoy all of them equally. It's just the mm. idea that, like, we've had, like, probably literally 40 superhero movies since the whole Avengers thing started up again about God. 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'm just sick of them. Yeah, no, I'm the same. And so that leads pretty well into number five on my list, which is Venom. Yeah. Uh, and also didn't see that one. No. And no, also got terrible reviews. So I couldn't give a shit Also an incoherent plot. Yeah. With a shit script. I mean, I think Tom Hardy's in it, so I'd be curious to see it, if only for Tom Apparently, Hardy. Apparently, he, like, from from the reviews that I've read, he is yeah. phoning that shit in. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, does, he, he doesn't need to try it. He probably made fucking millions well, he's and millions an excellent, of dollars. He's an excellent actor. Yeah. And apparently Eddie Brock, who's the protagonist in Venom, is he's played Eddie Brock like some fucking weirdo <laughs> who's just like, oh... Why is this happening to me? It's like he's super weird. And what, like Bane is a photojournalist now. Kind of, yeah. And <laughs> it, 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 people are like, "Why is he doing that voice?" And oh like, man, no, I'm all so, in. <laughs> You've got to sold me. On I it. think he is. He's like, and it's got thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. 
Fuck. I think Tom Hardy would have given that movie a thumbs down. Yeah. And still did it. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Take from that what you will. But I'm more interested in watching Venom than I am in watching Aquaman. Because yeah. if I'm going to see a mediocre Marvel movie, I might as well see one that's on the way worse side of mediocre, I think. Yeah. Um, Next up, the Incredibles also superheroes, 2. Incredibles 2, yeah. Well, that's our first film of the year that's made over a billion dollars. Yeah, I think we mentioned in the news incredible. segment a few weeks ago now that... It made a billion dollars in like a ridiculously short amount of time. Yeah, it was one of the like fastest movies to yeah. ever do. <laughs> Maybe the fastest. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it's it was great. Uh, I think they. I I am. It I made twice as much money as the first. One. I have Holy mixed fuck. feelings because um, one. I yeah. Did it cost twice as much? Maybe <laughs> I mean, it did. Who knows? Uh, I, I I have mixed feelings because I'm really glad that they didn't fuck it. Mm. But also. Uh, I think this sends a concerning message that they should continue to do sequels. Well, I thought it was—I honestly thought it was great, irrespective. Like, yeah, I don't have a. Here's the problem. I do too, I think, but I want them to be incentivized to come up with new IP. I think so, but I think the problem and the reason why people mostly hate sequels is because it seems like, and it is like an easy way to cash in on existing the the existing yeah. popularity of a franchise and make make money regardless of the quality of the thing you're putting out. But when they actively care about the quality of it, I don't I don't care, you know? Like right. if they're like, we want to make a sequel because we actually have a story to tell and we really want to make a good movie, then I don't think I have a problem with it. And that's why I think this was great. Yeah. And like Pixar like slam dunked it. But when you get to like Cars Three, for example, and it's clear they're doing it not because of any sort of artistic vision necessarily, yep. but more because it's a popular movie that will make money. I think it's naive to say, oh, they're just trying to make money because like everything exists to make money. Oh you know? well, no, well, I, I just think the idea that you know what I mean. Though. Like, yeah, it's like an no element of all movies is profiteering. Yeah, like every single studio has backed a movie because they believed it would make a profit. Right. Yeah, that's you know? that's true. It's not like there are cool studios that are trying to lose money. Like no, <laughs> there's no. always an audience to some degree uh, that's going to be. I want out cool there studios movies. that take risks. I don't want cool yeah, studios right. that that are willing to you know actively lose money. Obviously, I definitely but. agree. It's not very risky to do a sequel to a beloved mm. Pixar movie, but considering now that we've had some Pixar sequels that have come out that have been bad, yeah. I think it's nice really to see glad. ones that's good. And I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that they lent yeah. into clearly a changed audience yeah. rather than trying to make another movie that appealed to children. Absolutely. I think a good counterpoint to this was Finding Dory, where they made another kids movie, yeah. and it wasn't as good, Yeah, I, I suppose think. so. In the same yeah. way, it's like, well, like <laughs> it was good, but just not... As good as Incredibles well, 2 yeah, was. Well, in, the, in the same ways like Harry Potter books Changed. got darker with the audience as the audience got older. Um, and I also think it's interesting before we move on, the Incredibles 2, the first Incredibles movie, kind of came out before this whole superheroes thing was even a big yeah. trend. Yeah. Um, like it came out and was hugely popular before the whole fucking, I think, before the whole first round of Avengers movies came out. Yeah, it so might have I like the Spider-Man, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies maybe. I think it was after that, but, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know what I mean. Pretty sure all these big Marvel movies that are coming out. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's interesting that it's kind of hopefully like bookended. <laughs> yeah. These like superhero films, yeah. but like it's, it's nice to know that like 15 years later, it's still possible to do a great superhero movie, right. as we'll discuss next week as well, of course. Um, yeah. And uh, the speaking of only putting things out to make money off them, <laughs> uh, number three, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Right. Which uh, was. Mm, uh, I've heard people say they enjoyed it. Man, I would have I think, rated this definitely not worth if people's I'm time. If I'm remembering correctly, I think, I think I enjoyed it better than the first Jurassic World 
film. Maybe it's the opposite. I, I don't think know. It's the opposite. I, rem- I remember some of these Jurassic World, World films being vaguely enjoyable. Maybe this was the one where it started to get a bit naff, and I was like, "Oh, come on, fuck off." Yeah, I th- yeah. yeah, it just dropped the ball in a lot of places. But I heard clearly still successful. So I was, I was listening to a review recently where they thought it was like really there were lots of really cool scenes. Like they loved the um, mm. the auction scene and all that. And I thought, "No, fuck that." I don't think there were very many cool scenes. No, at all. and they described it as kind of being in two parts, where it was like a monster movie and a disaster movie. And you ask they me, liked the whole movie the... was a disaster, eh? <laughs> Nice one. Uh, that was us high fiving. <laughs> <laughs> both of us uh, together. Both of us involving <laughs> one of each person's hands. <laughs> us high fived himself. So the next one on the list is <laughs> Black Panther. Um, I think the only good Marvel movie on this list, although I think you might disagree with that. I think it was pretty good. To I, number I, one. I think Black Panther was pretty good. But Black Panther was excellent. And the only. Oh no! Okay, there's a bunch, um, but yeah, I, I think the only, not the not the only new IP from Marvel, but the only Marvel IP on this list with even a shred of originality or yeah. inventiveness besides Deadpool well, 2, which is different. I think we probably get that every time they introduce a new character because I think it, it right. seems like a lot of the characters' individual films have like very very different tones, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you get the Thor movies and the Black Panther movies and Iron Man. They all, they all have, like, a vaguely Guardians different tone. Of the Galaxy, yeah. yeah. So I think that when you introduce a new character, they try and make the film feel a bit different, and that's always exciting. I think that's, for example, why I like Deadpool. It's why I thought this one was good. Right. Um, I don't... I think, I, and I don't think they've introduced a new character in the mainstream sort of Avengers world mm. in a long time. No, like, they Deadpool's haven't. kind of removed from it. Um, and are you there... I mean? you, you'll be able to answer this because I haven't seen him. Are there... Characters in the Avengers, like, say, Infinity War, that uh, have not had major releases behind them yet? Oh, uh, yeah. Hawkeye, the bow and arrow guy. Right. Hasn't. So he was only um, in the Avengers bit. Like, Black yeah. Widow and Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's character okay. has not. So I'm sure um, those will get new releases before yeah. they do anyone interesting. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> you mean, know what I mean? Ant-Man, for example, got one. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay, so, well, yeah. No, there, there, have been, there, there are definitely a couple. Yeah. And I think Hulk, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk hasn't had one. Yeah, okay, it's just the I think, Ed Norton one. Yeah, although yeah. The, yeah, the Angley Ed Norton one, I think it's the official one that introduces Hulk, but they change Hulk, so it's weird. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and apparently that Angley Hulk movie's fucking awful. Bit of a spin-off. Or it's yeah. really weird. Yeah, I think it tries to get pretty philosophical at points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I'm, I could get behind, but I don't think it had great success. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so number one, grossing over $2 billion, Fuck. which is just, <laughs> it's just like so much a money, ludicrous amount of money for a fucking movie was Avengers Infinity War. Number like one, highest grossing film of 2018. Billion dollars. Huge energy behind it. Um, that is, people still talking about it. People still making jokes about that Thanos is, snapping. By and the shit. way, over $600 million more than Black Panther. Yeah, so it. So it's, Black Panther's at the number two spot with one point three five billion. I'm imagining like a picture of the solar system where the sun is Avengers Infinity yeah. War. Like, yeah, yeah it's, like it, yeah, it, uh, uh, just a behemoth of um of box office grosses. Yeah, and boy, is it gross uh, because I don't like yeah. films. Like you'd, you'd have to release Aquaman and Black Panther combined to make to, like, to make more money than well, Avengers that's Infinity War. Kind of what they did, hey. <laughs> um, you have to combine a whole bunch of superheroes. <laughs> yeah. I thought that Avengers you have to in- put a whole lot of superheroes in yeah. a blender and mince them up. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, talking about films that are like fine and enjoyable, I I thought that this Infinity War film has been such a long time coming with them slowly building towards the end of this giant fucking story. Yeah, that I think it was. 
a long it was a long time coming. I think I was always going to enjoy it to some degree to see how the whole story wraps up. Very annoying that it didn't end up wrapping up. Yeah. And there's a part two coming. But I honestly I didn't hate it. I think that often yeah. I think often it seems like you tend to sort of like hate these sorts of films on principle because of what they represent. They have whatever, to win me over. Which is bullshit. For sure. I think that like in terms of an experience, I went in there and it was really funny. I remember when we went in, it was one of the funnier Marvel movies I've watched in ages. I thought it was great to see these new characters interacting with the old characters. Um, I find the flaws anger me too much to enjoy yeah. these films. I but I get that with like, all films. This is actually one Marvel. of the very first films we ever covered on the podcast. Mm. This is in episode two. Yeah. Um, the first episode, the first episode ever released because we haven't released episode one covering Isle of Dogs and Death of Silent. Get hyped! Yeah, um, for the one day. inevitable three hundred dollar Patreon tier reward. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! We'll get that pressed of vinyl. There's and only one, one tier. Listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I honestly thought it was good. I, I definitely remember at the time us talking about the idea that all the spoiler alert deaths at the end of Avengers: Infinity War were kind of. Like there were kind of no stakes to them because yeah. we know all these characters make this studio a ridiculous amount of money, and they'll all make miraculous like, comebacks or be written. I back remember in or whatever, specifically yeah. talking at the time that this had just come out around the time that Black Panther had been, yeah, Huge. the second most popular yeah, movie yeah, of the year, yeah, yeah. and so to watch Black Panther and then watch him die like three weeks later, you're like, you're like, well, obviously he's not dead. Yeah, why would they piss away another one point three billion dollars just yeah. for the sake of being like we killed him? Yeah. That'd be fucking cool. <laughs> like, yeah, this, that would be almost enough to win me over with the whole franchise. If they if they brought if out they a character out and, say, and were like, all that's his characters it, are motherfucker, actually, he's actually dead. Like, what if like all his characters are actually dead? I, we actually I, just killed Spider-Man. I wish Stan Lee had had that in his freaking, like, in, in his in, in, <laughs> in the his, mandate like, of his estate. It was like, when I die... Every character that's ever died in a Marvel is permanently dead. piece has permanently died. Well, then there would and have been no characters since fucking 1970 yeah, or something. <laughs> Excellent. You're yeah. done with the whole thing. Well, no, so, so that's the top grossing films of the year. One, um, one interesting thing that I, I, I yep. do like taking note of. So Avengers Infinity War, that's a sequel. Yep. Jurassic World, sequel. Yep. Incredibles 2, sequel. Mission Impossible, sequel. Devil 2 and Fantastic Beasts. So that's one, two, three, four... Five, six of the top ten films yeah. were not original IP. Yeah, which, and most of them seem to be superhero films. Yeah. Um, which just, I guess like makes sense when you consider that like these are not meant to be an indication of quality, they're just yeah. meant to be an indication of like general appeal, which is exactly what they are. And as you say, building a sequel on top of an existing yeah. enterprise is, is more likely to appeal to an existing base, but I still fucking hate it. Come up with new ideas. Anyway. Should we get into our top yeah. 10 for 2018? So we thought we'd segment this again just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we, we came out with our, our individual top 10s, yeah. and the way that we've ordered these... Um, the bottom five are yeah. not hierarchies, so we didn't bother ordering those. We just came up with our top ten, mm. and then we sorted the top five. I sort of, of I sort of sorted all of them, but you could argue me either way. My, my right. ranking's a bit loose. <laughs> <laughs> I think your ranking's incredibly tight, mate. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost mathematically precise. <laughs> yeah. Oscar did a pairwise analysis I wrote, to determine. I wrote an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and my ranking has formulas in it. <laughs> what, is, what his favorite movie was? I looked at them all and 
made an emotional judgment call. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so uh, take Um, that as however indicative of our respective personalities you want. Something that's interesting and that took me by surprise when I was trying to refresh my memory of what came out in 2018 was that the Oscar cycle is slightly offset. So right. the Oscars happen at sort of the end of January, start That's of February, your monthly every cycle. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For example, so at the very beginning of 2018, there were Oscars and awards and things for films like. Uh, Shape of Water, for example, yeah. that came out in 2018, and like three billboards. There's a whole bunch of films. Both that of came those out. films weren't on my, uh, weren't on the list that I was looking at of stuff that came out in 2018. So I've missed those. Uh, so we should okay, probably right. caveat this by saying there was definitely at least one movie that we briefly chatted about before this that yeah. Oscar missed, and a bunch that apparently I've missed. So yeah, we might be because we were just looking at looking at pre-existing lists. Yeah, might be missing some. Right, key okay, well I might. Here. Oh, right. Well, you know, you know, fuck it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll make my list like eleven or whatever then to make up for the fact that I think a couple of those are movies you might not have thought about. Right. We can yeah. just mention them. Okay. Cool. Great. Um, she started at number ten. Yeah. Or your bottom five, whatever. Yeah. Num- number ten for me was Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, that was also my tenth. Right. I mean, like, yeah, not not ordered, but not yes. that the rankings matter or anything. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, but that was also um, the the bo- the one that just scraped into my top ten. I thought that I had a ton of fun with that film. I think yeah. that it was commonly criticised for being a bit derivative of works from directors like Tarantino. Yeah, but I think that that is only a benefit when it's done well. Yeah, and I just didn't buy any of the criticism that I heard, like that the pacing was off or that the character development wasn't yeah. there or whatever. I, I, I love the slow burn. I just disagreed with most of that. I really liked it. Yeah. The one thing that I had a big problem with in Bad Times at the El Royale, um, and I don't really think that I want to spoil these films, as this, for this episode, I think it might be Yeah, worth, let's try and keep it. Because we've, just, we've discussed most of these at length anyway. So if yeah. you're interested in hearing our discussions, go back and listen to the episodes yep. that we've covered these on. Most of these will, will have been covered on an episode. Which we also start um, off spoiler-free, but then yeah. we'll, we'll talk about in depth here. Yeah. Right. Um, but Bad Times at the El Royale has a... Big the, twist. The third act... Yeah. I didn't really like and I thought it was kind of bullshit. Um, yeah, see, that was a common criticism. Yeah. I actually liked it and I don't know why it just didn't hit oh, yeah. any of those kind of like, it didn't piss me off in the way that I think it pissed a lot of people off. I don't know why. Yeah, well, so uh, yeah, over, overall, um, I think that the, I think I had such a good time with the experience with right. the film and such a great experience and the movie the music was great the cinematography was great the writing was really intriguing yep. great all the characters were fantastic um, I thought it was worth seeing yep. um, number nine for me was Mission Impossible Fallout right okay didn't make my top ten I really liked that film it was so yeah. much fun I, I did think was, too yeah. I that would have probably it. been in my top 15 yeah. well, I feel like a lot of the films I have here are kind of different films and I think that mm. I didn't have a ton we didn't most of the films I saw this year for this podcast and we didn't yep. see a ton of big blockbuster action movies I feel like most of the ones that came out were superhero films that we're not interested in. So as a consequence, yeah. we didn't see a ton of big blockbuster action movies, and this is one of the most fun films I'd seen in ages. Yeah, yeah. And I had a really good time. And so, like, honestly, like when I was going through my list and trying to think about, like, oh fuck, did I like like Chappaquiddick, for example, which didn't make my top ten, or Mission Impossible Fallout more? Like, I love Chappaquiddick, but I just had loads of fun with Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, so it was I a much like more enjoyable experience. Yeah, from an emotional like judgment call type thing, I feel like that. I ranked that a lot higher than a lot of the other films I saw this year for that reason. Sure. What did you have? Mine was, I guess, yeah, the next one I had was The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I haven't seen that. Which is the new Coen Brothers film on Netflix. And that really is good, is it? Yeah. So it's actually um, a... An anthology film, I think. Right. Um, Lots of different little stories all yeah, sort of separated. And they don't... It it never loops back to a previous story, so they're That's not cool. they're not connected. They are individual, completely distinct vignettes, yeah. which are all sort of loosely set in different toned parts of 
um, the frontier west in <laughs> so America. It's going to be weird going to that from like Red Dead or something. Yeah, but I had heard very mixed things about it, and I think a bunch of people just aren't buying into the format. Um, it's funny I, that cowboys are suddenly big again, isn't it? Like you've so we've suddenly got Westworld, Red Dead, and Ballad of Buster yeah. Scruggs all big and coming back. What's interesting about Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and we haven't done an episode on it, so we no. haven't really talked about it. Um, and you don't have a lot of the. I haven't seen it. I've seen, seen it also. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming that you don't know much about it because oh, not really. It I'm hasn't a Coen Brothers fan, so I think much. I'm going to want to watch it at it's some point. It's great, yeah. and they've gone madly on the side of like aesthetics in this one. So. <laughs> Um, the characters are caricaturish right. um, a lot of the time. Well, it's kind done of comical and hammy in the same way as characters might be in like The Big Lebowski, for example. Yeah, but almost to the point of being surrealistic, right? Rather than just cartoonish. Like, yeah, it's not um, like a stylized Western thing. It's kind of like it sounds like you're saying it's kind of cartoony, a fantasy. Kind it of even thing. goes beyond. Like if you if you look at someone like Edgar Wright as doing like cartoony stuff, yeah. Um, this is beyond right. that. Right. Where like okay, sometimes yes. characters yeah, okay. won't won't talk right. when it would be sensible for them to talk. You know, like that <laughs> right. that type of thing. You'll see what I mean when you yeah, watch okay. it. Yeah. Um or like occasionally f- completely fantastical things happening. But is, or, is it like a is it got the same kind of tone as a lot of the other Coen Brothers stuff? It's sort of funny and the stories full of twists and turns and things. Yes, but again Again it's a it is lots of unrelated less stories. planted in reality right. that those ones are. Right, um, which is just hard to hard to kind of articulate. I'll be. Sounds like you're trying to avoid spoilers, but is is it like set in like the 1900s? Uh, no, 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 1800s no, kind of cowboy. No, kind and of there's no big twist, but it's just the tone of it. Like for instance, the first one, which is uh, itself, I think, called the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Right. It's um, about this one of the like this this really nice guy. Um, who introduces himself by like through a really lengthy ballad, funnily <laughs> right. enough. Um, and, it, you know, over the course of the video clip, like, kills a lot of people. Right. But is incredibly charming and friendly about yeah. it. In a, and in a This Is America kind of way with without, this crazy yeah, shit going on. The other characters get introduced and without spoiling anything, like, yeah. it ends with one of the characters um, speaking to camera while they ascend into the sky because they've died and are becoming an angel. <laughs> so it's <laughs> right, like, okay. it's not like, you know how, like, normal Con Brothers, people, characters might have a weird conversation or whatever, yeah. or, or, like, something coincidental like will happen. It's, yeah, okay. it's deeper than no, that. No, that sounds cool. Right, but I mean, the visuals are incredible, what they've done, yeah. with just the way that they're doing nonverbal storytelling is fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's on Netflix. I think it's probably fine to watch on your phone. Okay, uh, I cool. did. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See what I hope it is. Yeah, I don't think right. it, it it's it's great aesthetically, but it doesn't require like a big cinematic experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I also wouldn't watch it while you're like making dinner because it's not a you need to focus a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Cool. But you can I did watch each vignette separately. So oh, okay. you can right. also kind of watch two thirds of it or a third of it and then <laughs> you watched it like back. a TV series on pretty your much, phone. <laughs> pretty much. Oh yeah, cool. Great. Um, um yeah, and it's interesting that that still kind of works. So yeah, uh my next one was You Were Never Really Here. Oh, right, okay. Um my next one was Quiet Place. Okay. Interesting. I yeah, really thought that Quiet didn't Place make was my top ten. Right, okay. Did you <laughs> did you consider it? Yeah, it oh, was right. uh, it was close to being on my yeah. list. Um but I just thought that the uh, we've talked about it a bit, but like, let's say the reveal, yeah, made it just a bit of a less satisfying film overall. Okay, um, and I really loved the first part of it. Yeah, um, and the tone. I thought it was one of the best horror movies. I think it's a and uh, just an incredible ho- uh, foray into 
directing and and even like serious acting by John Krasinski. Yeah. Um, a really great opener in a way. Okay. Um, but yeah, just not not quite enough to to beat out a few of the other ones that I saw. Right. What uh, did you like best about it? I definitely think that first half where it sets up this world. It's a quiet place. Is about. Um, it's best to go in sort of cold. So it's this family that live in sort of this country house kind of in the middle of nowhere in America somewhere. And they have to be really, really quiet and you have no idea why. And the whole yep. world is kind of quiet. Um, Opens with one of the best cold opens I've ever seen. Yeah. Of a family um, going through and pulling items out of a shop while yeah. being totally silent. So like, for example, they eat dinner on leaves with their hands instead of with cutlery because that makes too much noise. The kids um, play with toys that are sewed together so they don't clack or click or like the monopoly pieces of felt yeah um they don't have doors they just have curtains all all sorts of there's this whole world they build around the premise that these people have to be really quiet silent um and the whole idea of what would it be like to grow up in that world that i thought was so intriguing Mm. and so exciting and a new premise for this kind of genre of film that i thought was really great definitely worth seeing it's kind of a i would agree kind of a thriller thriller turns action horror at a point right but um, um yeah Really, really good experience. Definitely, I think it was good. definitely yeah. close to being in mine. Uh, Contrast that pretty heavily, I guess, with you and never really here, which is Joaquin Phoenix playing a character that sort of barely speaks. I really like you um, and never really here. Great. I mean, uh, yeah. Go and listen to the episode if you want to hear us talk about it. It's yeah. a, it's about a hitman who ends up kind of being the protector of a girl that's been abducted. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. He sort it sort of deals with a lot of themes of PTSD. Um, yeah, and this sort of child and sex ring that child he's abuse. uncovering. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, put to, uh, an incredibly well put together film, almost like yeah. David Lynchian and its and its aesthetic. A lot of really beautiful color and lighting, really yeah. great um, backing footage, and and uh, a really interesting way to portray. I, maybe I don't think it was New York, but maybe it was New York. I, I honestly don't. Whichever remember. American city yeah. it's based in, or like Baltimore or some uh, a weird might have been sort like of Seattle, slightly more quiet Atlanta. place. I think yeah. it might have been Atlanta, but I'm just guessing. Right. Wh- whatever city it is, it was really intriguing. Yeah, uh, not necessarily like an iconic portrayal of that city, yeah. but really, really interesting in 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 its visuals, and also a brilliant soundtrack by Johnny Greenwood, the guitarist. Yeah, Radiohead. and its use of sound was one of the things I noticed most about it. Just in the way, excellent. just the way in which the soundtrack and the sound effects and sort of background um, sound effects that were used in the film throughout the film really enhanced the emotional feeling that he was trying to come across for all the characters and it sort of made you feel the isolation and the sort of intense stress at times that Joaquin Phoenix's character was feeling. Um, So at, at times, for example, when he's going like from his little quiet little house scene to the city the sound immediately ramps up and it really emphasizes the traffic noise and the wind and the people and everything and it just sort of makes you feel overwhelmed cuts yeah yeah um a lot of the way the editing was put together was kind of unsettling and kind of i I just loved i just absolutely loved one of my and a real sleeper because it didn't get heavily publicized i don't think it probably made a huge amount of money yeah um but an excellent film yeah, really um, great cinematic experience. I, I watched so. it again recently with a friend on a TV, and it was just as good. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's great. great. Um, uh, so that was number eight, uh, number seven. F- 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 sure, whatever. Yeah, the fourth one of the bottom five of our <laughs> yeah, top ten. Fine. Uh, for me, it was First Man. <laughs> uh, okay, that didn't make my top ten, and was probably like number eleven. Yeah, I would say. I thought it was great. Um, First really, Man, really good movie. Very. I liked it for very similar reasons to you. Whenever really here. Yeah. In terms of cinematography, beautiful sound, beautiful performance. Yep. Um, and that was was that uh, Denis Villeneuve? 
Damien Chazelle. That's right. Yeah. Okay, Damien Chazelle. Um, yeah, I really always enjoy the stuff that he puts yeah. out. And it's been um, really interesting. The last three films he's done have been completely different. Different in setting and... D- yeah, d- d- different dramas. in a lot of ways, but and yeah. also he's kind of a master of character study, where like he just takes one character and like just yeah. puts him through grueling, uh, high intensity, high stress situations, and you get to see what effect that has on them, their interpersonal relationships, and and that type of thing. So yeah, and yeah. I mean, I think some people didn't like his other his other his other film La La Land as much, but I really liked it. I thought it was great. I still haven't seen it. It's really good, man. So it's worth seeing. It's, I've um, got. I've also got a list of like um. Ones that I didn't get around to yeah. uh, this year, and that's that's on it. I mean, that, um, ca- that came out a little while ago, but yeah. I mean, if you like if you like his other films so much, I definitely I feel like think I should <laughs> check it out. You'll get yeah. something out of it. Yeah, yeah and I yeah, mean, yeah. if you, if you have a problem, I mean, some people just have a problem with the idea of musicals, and I think mm. that if you don't like that certain tone that a lot of musicals take, there's going to be bits in it you don't really like as much. But I yeah, think, I don't love them, so we'll I mean, see. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, overall, it's a really good version of that it's an enjoyable enough version of that kind of movie despite right. its flaws right uh, my one was Hereditary yep that's the next one up on the list for me okay cool um, yeah uh, probably the best horror movie I've ever seen from what a lot of people are saying the best horror movie they've ever seen yeah absolutely um, coming from some much bigger horror fans than us yeah so just a a real fucking it's an absolute like roller coaster the whole masterclass time. in suspense building in non-jump scare horror yeah. Um, just making <laughs> when I said roller coaster, feel... I mean one, a roller coaster that's one giant hill and then a sheer cliff. It's more like an elevator <laughs> yeah. with yeah that you jump out of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. It never really levels out. Until Absolutely the wild. End credits. But just in- insane in its. Um, yeah. Uh, it j- yeah. I don't. Re- what can we? Well, listen to the episode. Um, I came out of it feeling disconcerted, uh, anxious, uh, but having. Absolutely, undoubtedly enjoyed myself in a very strange way. And I thought, so. yeah, and and I thought that the most interesting thing about it. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of horror movies, but I liked that it also had like beautiful cinematography and yeah. a soundtrack that really complimented the film in a way yep. that wasn't just like sing, 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 sing. No. <laughs> you know, the most iconic the psycho violence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know. I, th- I thought. I just thought it was fantastic, and it was. I don't think it was as enjoyable after a second watch. Right. I think that like I, I think I definitely got a lot out of it by being in a big cinema with a big sound system and a screen and a in black a black room. room yeah. yeah. Um. But I definitely it was yeah one of my favorite films of the year. I thought it was right. Great. Turn the lights off and watch it on a big screen at home. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just really excellent. I hope that it does well at various awards. Yeah. Because I think it deserves it. And kind of I, I again I've forgotten the director's name, but um that person's first. Foray, I think, again, yeah, and uh, just into box office cinema. So, and just the whole tone is really weird. Like, it's just got something you can't quite put your finger on. It's no, really creepy. But I'm, like, I'm very keen to see what comes out of um that that team of director and cinematographer. Yeah, and, and, in in and the same way as um designer. Jordan Peele released um Get Out a few years ago, and that was really cool. And you're mm. like, oh man, I can't wait to see what he does next. I can't wait to see what this guy does next. Yeah, 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 yeah. So really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so, what was the last one in your little five? The last one for me was Climax, which you didn't see because I saw it while oh, I was, that was at that, the Miff. Oh, that was crazy LSD party one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, this was now, just you, a You've really... talked about that a lot, and every time you talk about it, I sort of feel like I can't be fucked, but you've mentioned it enough that I feel like I should probably just watch it. Yeah, I, uh, maybe you won't enjoy it, um, yeah. and maybe, you know, to an extent, it was also that idea of I was in a 
you know, a, a black room with a lot of people going through yeah. a similar thing. And, and I'm not sure how much of the, the movie is kind of dependent on that. Yeah. Um, I don't think too much of it. I think it's interesting anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, a really interesting little... I like films that are very tight in their storytelling. They just pick a, an event or, a, you know, a, a very clear thing to portray and they yeah. portray that only that very well yeah um and this was this was that you know it was this particular group of people in this particular situation in a dance hall um the handheld camera um was really interesting in the extended style of of cut yeah um, okay where I, and i can't remember the guy's name but um yeah just a really a really tight piece of storytelling and a very interesting film yeah. Okay. So great. I, I I really enjoyed it. Okay. Cool. Um, I didn't I I didn't see it. So um, <laughs> obviously cool. can't, obviously can't, <laughs> obviously can't comment. Yeah. But it definitely does sound like a very Andrew kind of movie. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um. So okay. we're gonna gonna get down to the big boys. Yeah. Number, Number five, five for me is sorry to bother you. Interesting. Okay. I, I thought that was really good. Really good fun. Um. One of the funnier movies I've seen all year. Really stylistically different to a lot of other comedies I've seen all year. In terms of, uh, in terms of that that kind of style of film, I thought it was one of the best ones I've seen. Right. I really enjoyed how colourful it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just I thought it was great. Worth definitely. seeing. Definitely. Okay. Yep. Um, I'll talk about that a bit later. <laughs> uh, number what do you five. Mean? <laughs> in your honourable mentions. In the in the uh, other. Right. No. Yeah. In movies I disliked. <laughs> um, uh, five for me was Mandy. Right. Okay. Um, which lends itself pretty closely to climax as well, you know, in terms of like <laughs> yeah. heavily drug influenced um, psychedelic visual experience. Yeah. Um, again, an incredibly tight story. Yeah. Um, I am, yeah, just really, really intrigued by this this style of um, of filmmaking where it's far less narrative and far m- well less narrative is pretty harsh but there's a well, there's it's kind of it's kind of the same thing as you were saying just before it has one very specific story and it tells that and only that yeah but movies that focus more on what you're looking at it's uh, I think Mad David Max. Lynch is a big name in this in this yeah. way movies that focus a lot more on what you're seeing and hearing rather than how it fits with the overall narrative, even though these are excellent examples also of overall narrative storytelling. Well, it so, reminds me a lot of Mad Max in that way. Yeah. And the idea is like, I mean, I, I you hear people talk about how like fucking nothing really happens in Mad Max. Like they drive there and they drive back. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in the same way, it's more about the visual spectacle and the loose amount of story that they have there is really just to convey... It's used as a vehicle to show you the cool scenes they want yeah. to do and it's really yeah. great. No, I, I really, really liked Mandy. Yeah, too. cool. Uh, okay. So number, number four. four. Number four for me was Isle of Dogs, oh, which was okay. the first film we ever covered mm. on the podcast in episode one. Get right. Right. It all kicked off. By episode one on tape. When you release <laughs> um, <laughs> now, Only I, on Betamax. <laughs> Laserdisc, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll reenact it. We'll transcribe yeah, episode right. <laughs> one. We'll get a script together. We'll shoot it on video, release it on Laserdisc. Oh, Christ. Uh, if yeah. you know any stenographers, hit us up because we'll <laughs> we're going to need a transcript of the Hell whole episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it didn't make my top ten. I thought, I thought it was... I just love Wes Anderson. It was good, yeah. I keep chasing the feeling that I got from watching Moonrise Kingdom, and I yeah. got it again after Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest, Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel was such a fun film. For me, those two are, you know, just yeah. just so good, and every time I watch a Wes Anderson film now, it's it's like, ah, oh, it's just not... 
yeah. quite give me the same. I really liked Isle of Dogs a lot. Yeah. It had a lot going for it. Um, had some issues, but yeah, yeah, definitely a great one. I think that one of the problems with this list is that, like, obviously, Isle of Dogs, I watched it like probably seven months ago now. Yeah. So it's really hard to sort of like, when I'm looking at a list, being like, <laughs> did I enjoy Spider Man Into the Spider Verse or Isle of Dogs better? It's like, right. well, they're separated by like seven months of time, and it's really difficult for me. So Watching often, them in a different way. Yeah. So I often find myself like thinking. <laughs> convincing myself that I like the idea of that movie kind of thing. So, like, I'm sure maybe if I go back and watch it... The point is I didn't go and watch, like, 20 fucking movies in order to put this list together. Yeah, I'm just sort of yeah. thinking about what my feelings were at the time and sort of reflecting back on the movie as a whole. Yeah. Um, but during this reflection, I really liked Isle of Dogs and I really enjoy Wes Anderson as a director and he deserves the shout-out on Beef Station. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, I, it's a pity he didn't release Moonrise Kingdom this year because <laughs> that would definitely have been... Yeah. Up there for me. Right, so what was number four for you? Uh, four for me was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Right. Um, I, we, we which haven't we haven't talked about that yet. yet. Uh, but I, yeah, and I guess we'll talk about it more next week. Next week. We promise. It really will be the <laughs> uh, time. Yeah. It will be very difficult for us to fuck up that <laughs> yeah, promise. We, yeah. <laughs> Unless one of us dies in about the next three hours, yeah. we'll be doing that next week. So, <laughs> yeah. So, stay tuned for that. Oh, and uh, we'll see you in seven days. But... Yeah, uh, I sort of forgot to include it, but I really liked Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, it, I'm surprised um, it made your top ten. Considering how you feel about superhero movies, as like a blanket rule. As am I, <laughs> uh, but man, was this a different one? Yeah, um, and it, you know, it it never, um, it was unflinchingly unique, um, and I really like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movie. Oh. One or two of them. Yeah, um, this was There's actually three of them. Yeah, but I think <laughs> two was kind of dog shit or something, wasn't it? Or was yeah, no, three was dog joking. shit? Everyone, everyone hates number three. Right, so three was dog shit. Yeah. The first two... Number three is the one with the sand and, and yeah. the, um, yeah. the, the dancing down the street. I think I got halfway through that and didn't finish it. <laughs> um, but Enter the Spider-Verse was uh, like almost perfect in what it was trying to do. Right. Um, it was almost like Mandy and, and, and Climax and Ballad of Buster Scruggs, incredibly beautiful art at points in time. Yeah. Um, just e- almost every shot in that movie would make a fucking great desktop background. <laughs> yeah. um, it would make you want like an art book of it, or like posters. Absolutely. In the way of like, um, like I'd love to see all the concept art for that. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing where I want a poster of it, but I couldn't pick a moment that I liked enough to just have one poster. Yeah. So I want like a whole concept book. You want like but a then- gif on your wall. Yeah, exactly. I want, I want like a, I want like a scrolling wallpaper that changes to stills of that movie the whole time because uh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and there are so many funny characters. John Mulaney as the Spider Ham. We can talk about it next week. Peter we Porker wanna, yeah. is maybe my favorite joke this we year. We don't, we don't want to bust our nut too hard on yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So we're man. doing it next week slash um, at very, three o'clock. Very excited. Yeah, uh, very excited. No, I agree. With you. I, re- I really enjoyed. It. I forgot to put it in my top by top five. Right. But so yeah. considering I have one, I have I have a movie in my top five that probably shouldn't be there. So. Um, <laughs> Um, it's a Leany Reefen style film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it, that would probably have been my top ten if I'd sort of re- remembered the fact that it came out technically last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, number three. Yeah. Uh, yep. What was yours? Number three for me was You Were Never Really Here. Right. But wow. I can love that movie. Wow. Really, really like that movie. Everything cool. about that movie sort of like really got me. Now this is funny because I would have not expected this to be as high <laughs> on your list as it was. No, I thought it was great. But I'm glad. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think that. <laughs> No, I just I just enjoyed it. It seemed like people would have a have a ton of fun making a movie, and it really showed. Like it didn't really seem like they would 
making any decisions despite what I said before, making any decisions to like do what's popular. It was just like what's gonna be like the most cohesive cohen- cohesive uh part of this whole film. Yeah. yeah. How are we gonna make decisions that make this like the most like holistically realized version of our like vision of the movie or whatever. Yeah. And I yeah. really, really liked it. We talked about it before, but yeah, fantastic film. Really and great. Joaquin Phoenix is just the most fucking amazing actor in everything he's in. Yeah, and I saw that and Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot within like a week or something like that. And, and like just completely seeing person. an insane character transformation for him. Yeah. Um, to go from like this ripped homunculus... Yeah, who can barely speak <laughs> to someone who has to play like a ha- pretend to differently be not totally ripped in a wheelchair. And, wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> imagine um, how fucking Buffy must have been in that wheelchair. Just be like, I don't know. Let's put some loose clothing on him or something. I haven't yeah, seen the movie. God. Maybe he's like <laughs> whatever. Oh right, no, shirtless he, he, at some point. He doesn't. Yeah, because he has to play someone that's like a um, in a wheelchair, a differently like able alcoholic. And, yeah, right. And so like he looks <laughs> feebled. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's um. Really good performance, yeah. Really a, yeah. a great one from him. Um, right, okay, cool. I'm glad it's up there for you. Uh, for me, number three was Black Klansman. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, that so almost made my top ten. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I don't know. It almost made my top ten. Sure. I thought that the way that it told the story um, was just really excellent. I was laughing really often. Um, the final part was distressing to the point where it still <laughs> affects the way that I think about, yeah, you know, contemporary and ongoings. And, sort and of takes events. you by surprise a bit. Spike Lee is an uh, amazing director. Everyone's performance was great. Uh, brilliant soundtrack. Yeah, we, really we mentioned in the soundtrack. news a few weeks ago that no, it has, it's been nominated for Best Score of the Year in the Academy Awards. Yep. So, we'll so and I, I, fingers crossed for that because I think, um, you know, considering that Mandy's been knocked out, yeah. that's right up there. So that was my number three. Yep. Okay, great. Um, number two for me was Mandy. Right. Fucking cool. loved Mandy. Cool. Again, like one of the most fun times I've had in a cinema all year. See, if you and go I, into Climax with the attitude that you went into or that you came out of Mandy with, you yeah. might enjoy it. You just <laughs> right. got to view it as one of those types of things. I just had so much fun watching it. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of... And maybe this is why I didn't like Black Klansman as much because it's... I, like I agree with the political statement he's making, but it kind of seems like when the when the film kind of obviously and not necessarily ham-fistedly, but when the film kind of is obviously trying to make a statement, I kind of feel like it's got to be really good in order to not feel like that statement detracts from my experience of watching the film. Not that making a statement in a film is bad, just that you've got to work really, really hard to integrate a statement like that into a film and have it be presented as like a cohesive piece of art. Mm. And I feel like Black Klansman was really good at doing that, but just the way it presented that bit at the end kind of made me feel like it was cheating a bit. Almost like it was uh, really effective, and it really made me feel I think something. That only but I was kind of like part of the art. Yeah, but I, for me personally, I thought like um, I really agree, and it was really effective. But um, <laughs> I'm not a racist. <laughs> no, I, I agree, and it was no, really effective. I, I think but, it's interesting that you feel that something, a political statement, is something that inherently must be worked against in order to create what you just described as art it's separately. Not from what that. I mean. I just feel I know, like a I, lot of I know what you mean. A lot of films they sort of look down the barrel of the camera and they're like, "Isn't racism bad?" And you're like, "Well, well yeah, but I'm not. I'm I'm here to watch the movie. Mm. You got to like. I think it's always better when 
And it's, if you want to like convey that message and tell the message in a way that like spreads it, it's always better to have this great piece of art that inherently has that message rather than having that message be sort of tacked on the end. I mean, that I message know. was breaking the fourth wall. Like yeah. that was stopping the narrative and speaking to you directly I mean, as, like, a, as a seriously, viewer. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and saying like, yeah, you, you can sit there in, in your cinema seat and enjoy this movie, yeah. but this is actually fucking happening outside the cinema. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> and I think... In that, for the, for me, like that was, um, I I consider that to be a real strength of this movie. Yeah. I know it can be done in a negative way, but yeah. in this particular case, I don't think it did do that in a in an yeah. in a an overly ham-fisted manner. And so. looking back on the episode when we actually talked about Black Lands, but I don't know why I'm sort of referring to it like that because they did it really well. I just mm. mean that, like, <laughs> going back to why Mandy is so high on my list. It's just a big, dumb movie, and that's often what I like in a movie. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I'm there to have fun, and if you present in this fun movie your message in a way that integrates with the fun movie, fucking great. Right. But if you don't, for me personally, you're going to have to work harder for me and not be like, oh, well, kind of fuck you. Yeah, I, I think I'm at a stage personally right now um, where, like, when I look around at the world that... I see myself living in when there are bits of art that, and I've talked about this before, when there are bits of art that are clearly angry enough to break form for me, that's a stronger bit of art than something that tries to sweep the politics under the rug by being aesthetically or narratively pleasing. I don't think it's necessarily, and this goes back to what my number one film is. I don't think it's necessarily sweeping it under the rug. I think it's like, you know what I mean though? Like sugarcoating it, painting a nice paint of coat, uh, coat of paint over it. I don't think that's necessarily what I mean. I just mean, it's like really well integrated into the story and, told in a way that like really effectively communicates it i think i'm struggling to come up with a good example of your criticism it kind of seems like what there are a lot of films and it can't it's almost like black Klansman's like this where it's like oh i want to do a detective movie in the 70s how about we also put this in there kind of thing whereas there are some films where i feel like it tells a story and it has this message but it's all kind of part of the movie and it's really effectively integrated with it and I feel like it doesn't kind of break me out of it maybe the difference is that like the breaking you out of it's the whole point in Black Lantern yeah exactly I think exactly that's yeah. it like for me those it's not a distinct section of the film yeah you know it's it's that that's the end of the narrative yeah is that the narrative was fictional and is now not fictional which yeah. makes the entire film almost non-fiction <laughs> in, in a way yeah. and it's based on a true story anyway so it's like almost yeah. as documentative as it can be while still being fictionalized and I think that just the statement that it made like I, I think we just have slightly different perspectives on this where I like, think so, yeah. for me it's you know I think that's that's uh, a strength and I also feel like we really need to start kind of like taking people by the years and like shouting at their faces just like you need to pay more attention to this sort of stuff and if it takes no you're probably you're probably right out of a story you need something different yeah and i think isn't the the same thing yeah yeah, so so for me i'm like yeah fucking get mad about it be loud be obnoxious okay yeah sure that's that's why it's so high up for me but i also totally get why um I, i think there's some validity to um viewing a fictional narrative as kind of a uh like a a pure thing with with set boundaries and extending yeah. outside of that boundary to include a political message or shoehorning a political message into that, which I know you're not saying Black Lives yeah. is doing, but it can be really uncomfortable and, and detract. So I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Um, all right. What was your number two? 
Uh, Unless you just did that. No, Mandy. Mandy was my. Oh, number right. two. Mandy what was your was, number two. My number two was Thoroughbreds. Right. Now, yeah. this came out in 2017 in America, but it came out in 2018 here. <laughs> so you're counting it. So I'm counting it. <laughs> okay, it's cool. also. I'll keep my number one then. One of my favorite films. Yeah. Full stop. I I loved it. I'm not really sure why. I think it's again harking back to that little just tight storytelling where it's yeah. just picking an event. Um, the way that the film is shot is absolutely gorgeous. These beautiful interiors of these houses, um, showing you kind of a sinister underbelly of, of the upper class and how it can damage people who never experience anything outside of that. Um, and how much it can shelter you from what reality for most people is, I think was, was very interesting. Yeah. Um, a couple of incredibly strong performances. Um, I just really thought it was great. Go back and listen to my my episode on it um but yeah i really really loved it thought it was thought it was fantastic yeah no i i, I had a lot of fun. it didn't really make my top 10 at all but I th- in terms of films i watched this year, i thought it was fine yeah, i think it, was, it just affected me in a different way to how <laughs> yeah. it affected a lot of people that watched it but and i think it's also really interesting that we have different vastly different opinions on what we get out of film i think mm. it would suck if we always agreed yeah and i think that like you're boring podcast <laughs> um i think i think it's definitely interesting that we it seems that we sort of tend to want to go to movies for completely different reasons right right a lot of the time well We've got a bit of an overlap. Leading in on that, what's your number one? Well, I already know what yours is. My yeah. number my number one was Three Billboards. I thought yeah, okay. that was such a beautiful, funny, smart movie. And I just thought about it for ages. And I think it, if it I came thought out about that a bit, like, that could easily have knocked out one of my bottom yeah, five. Right. Yeah. So like I, I think and I think it came out in like early January. But the reason why it's included in the Oscars is that we're screening. Sort of who gives a fuck. Who gives yeah. a fuck? Whatever. Great. I'm saying it came out in twenty eighteen and yep. I fucking loved it. Um if for whatever reason I'm wrong and uh, I don't even need it to should have included it. in the fuck top it. ten. <laughs> okay, fine. I think, I think Predator would have just eked into the top ten and, <laughs> yeah. and Mandy would have been Mandy would have been your number one. Yeah, yeah cool. Um Absolutely love that movie. Three yeah. Billboards is so beautiful. We talked about it on, I think, episode five or six or seven, some, sometime in the early time when we, when we were sort of comparing those films. Um, all the performances are fantastic. Sam Rockwell um, brilliant. is brilliant. Woody Harrelson is just phenomenal. I don't remember the name of the main character. That's being terrible. Like, uh, Shannon, Shannon O. Whatever. Let's look it up. No, whatever. <laughs> but she was, she was also fucking great. Just every single character was great. I think it's bad that we know the two male lead roles and not the female <laughs> protagonist. <laughs> oh, fuck, fuck you. I don't know her name Frances either. Frances McDormand. She's newer than, than the other two. So. Yeah, okay. well, yeah. Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand. Fantastic performance. Really good. The Sam whole- Rockwell and um, yeah, uh, Woody Harrelson. Brilliant. The whole film was just great. And really I think great. that's a perfect example of a film that wants to kind of say something about culture and society and works it perfectly into a film where you totally get what they're saying about these sorts of small towns and the, the cultures and sort of institutionalized racism and that kind of, mm. those sorts of small town attitudes that get, people are raised up with those attitudes, whether it's their fault or not. Yep. Uh, and you sort of totally get what they're saying without them sort of drilling it into you too much. Yeah, and doing the hard work of making a character that is that <laughs> yeah. institutional racist yeah, really empathizable. Through like Sam Rockwell's character, who, you sort of even love you know, him towards the you love him to, towards the end of the movie. It's well, ridiculous. You, yeah, I mean, like you know, he, he well, like you, you know what I mean. He yeah. was a bad guy through the whole movie. No, I get what you mean. Like he, he was a bad guy through the whole movie, and you watch him like become educated even against his own will, and yeah. sort of realize that he needs to start being a different person if he wants to be pro-social, and trying to do that and sort of becoming a martyr. 
yeah about that and and it's really tragic um but but an excellent piece of storytelling um yeah i really really enjoyed it that definitely would have been in my top 10 i think yeah absolutely and i think that um i just think it's great i, th- I think it's cool that like every single character has like a slightly different um every single character is a total piece of shit yeah they all um, have their absolute I think it's really cool yeah maybe yeah. i fucked up maybe it did come out in 2017 Whatever, I liked it. Go see three. We watch it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares? We watched it in 2018. Get fucked, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> if you're angry about this, you're a nerd. Um, what's your number one, boy? As foreshadowed, <laughs> my number one was sorry to bother you. Yeah. Um, I'm so so glad that this film made it to Australia because it was looking a lot like it wasn't going to. Um, I don't think I would have known what I was missing out on because it hasn't been well publicized. Yeah. Um, just an incredible piece of cinema um uh, one of the i think it achieves what you're talking about where um you've got this really really interesting narrative the way that it's told um is it just is from strength to strength the whole time um and you know there's uh it has it was one of the funniest movies this year that i saw um, which, when you actually take into account what the political message of the piece of art is, is yeah. fucking impressive. Because this was probably one of the hardest hitting films I've ever seen. Too, yeah, pretty much next to Black Klansman. I think those two um, have like some of the strongest messaging behind them of any film I've ever seen. Yeah, um, and I don't know whether or not it's just my context at the moment or or what. Um, you know, watching a lot of world events unfold and and feeling <laughs> just a deep sense of loss <laughs> and uh, and frustration at um, basically every uh, socio political movement in <laughs> in general society at the moment. Yeah. And having someone um, reach out through a big expensive piece of artwork to agree with me on that and, and agree <laughs> with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that are seemingly pretty. Uh, pretty unheard at the moment um, was really satisfying I don't think it would have needed to be much more than that for me to like it but it was so much more than that you know it was also just an excellent just a brilliant script a great story behind it anyway wonderful performances by all of the main characters Um, using like having a bit of a go at white people through the two widest sounding dudes Patton Oswalt and David Cross. <laughs> that was that was really 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 cool. fucking funny and a, a really interesting way to reflect that. Yeah, that idea of um of speaking white. Like, I yeah, I don't know. It, just for me, all of what that film is doing resounded so strongly um, with with my current sort of perspective on the way that things are going. Yeah, um, I thought it was great. I thought I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, that's my that's my number one and. I think that's a pretty fair pick for number one. Yeah, and likewise, as much as Mandy was number five for me, I struggled with... I, I, I personally liked Thoroughbreds, but I definitely don't yeah. think it deserves to be my number one. Um, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Mandy, if I was in a different mood when I was choosing this list, You'd probably could have made other. it. So, yeah, yeah definitely think that um, that uh, if I had to choose another one or agree on a number one film this year, it, it might have been Mandy. 
Like yeah. if we had to choose one together, <laughs> and I've just you know. I've just double checked. Uh, three billboards outside every every Missouri. Was Oscar from... notably quiet for the past five <laughs> or six minutes of, of, of me ranting by myself. January first, twenty eighteen, in <laughs> Australia. <fucking> hell. <laughs> the Australian release, which and January first, twenty eighteen. Once again. We, He's he's the most technically correct <laughs> that he could have been under the very specific scoped <laughs> scoped parameters <laughs> that he's given himself. So I asked several so. times. We do Australian. We do Australian <laughs> top top twenty top ten. Top coming 10 Australian out, coming films, out right? in Australian films, yeah, right? yeah. According to uh, the Gregorian calendar, right? Oh, yeah. Thoroughbreds. When did that come out in Australia? Huh? Yeah. Huh? That's why it's yeah. disqualified from being my number one film this year. I think Sorry to Bother You might have even been last year in America yeah. or some shit. So should we quickly just... No, I totally agree. That's a fantastic how many? One how, so how many of ours overlapped in the top ten? Just quickly. I'll just say it just quickly then. My top five yep. is... Uh, so from five to one yep. was Sorry to Bother You, yep. Isle of Dogs, uh, You Were Never Really Here, yep. Mandy, and Three Billboards. Right. Okay. So... I had... With three billboards being my number one. So, Black Clansman didn't make a few. You forgot to include Spider-Man, but Bad Times at the El Royale. So, we had four of our top ten overlap with two of the top five. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good that's a good ratio. That is really cool. Sick one. Um, We might put these little lists in the description of this podcast episode so you can go, go through and have a look if you're interested. Um, mm, I reckon we should keep it as a surprise. <laughs> You're going to have to work for it. Yeah, but what if they want to go back and l- read what our top 10 Dance. is without... without? Um... Well, but, well, let's upload it and then we can post it like in a week or whatever. Okay, fine. We'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck um, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if you've listened this far, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for not skipping out on the list. Um, <laughs> okay. um, other notable mentions. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Death of Stalin. Uh, as you said, First Man... Uh, Widows was one that right. like I I don't know why it wasn't Almost on the list that 10. I was reading, but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was fine. Just a really tight movie. Okay, um, but yeah, Eating Animals, the documentary with Natalie Portman. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that one. John Wick Two was never going to make it into my top ten, but really enjoyed it. Like if I had to rate, you know, on enjoyment, it was. Did we watch good. John Wick Two? I think so. Huh, okay. I did this year, I think at least, because right, okay. it was in our one of our episodes. I remember. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Movie, movies that almost made my top 10. Predator, as I mentioned, that was a big, dumb movie. Yep. Great, I had a great time with it. <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact that it was stupid, I had a really good time with it. Yep. Similarly, Overlord almost made my okay. top 10. Yep. There wasn't much in it between Overlord and Bad Times at the Royale, to be honest. Right. Yeah, um, no, and I'm similar. Yeah. Black Panther would have been close for me. Um, oh, really? I did actually really right. enjoy that movie okay. when I was watching um, it. Chappaquiddick, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Black Klansman almost made my top 10. Right. Um, depending on whether you're a total narc or not, uh, Shape of Water and Paddington 2 also almost made my top 10. Paddington 2 is actually ironically really good. Shape of Water, so that came out last year, right? Yeah. I think yeah. It's, it's, To be honest, I think it's on my list because I saw it was there and remembered it being big. I, I don't know whether I actually enjoyed it that much when I watched it. I really loved it, but I'm a yeah. massive um, Guillermo fan. So like, if I had counted that one, it probably would have been in my top five. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, to be honest, in the first half of 2018, I didn't really see that many movies. So yeah. um, I just sort of p- picked the ones off the off the list I was looking at that sounded cool. But yeah, yep. there was d- definitely a few movies that almost made my top 10 that are definitely also worth seeing. Um, I've got some honorable mentions of stuff that I watched this year that I thought was really cool or yep. worth mentioning. Let's take a little break. Okay, sure. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back 
immediately for the next section. Right, welcome back to the next section. We're doing honorable mentions this time. So this is uh, other little movies maybe or shit that... Shit that's not big main feature releases that came out in 2018. Yep. Um, I've got a couple little TV series on here that I yeah, watched on same. Netflix, yep. mostly because I feel like when I'm at home, it feels like I can just put on a TV series and sort of do other shit, mm. or like I can find time to watch an episode or two of a TV series, but somehow seeming like sitting down to watch a movie feels like more of a commitment than I normally do. Whatever. Um, I really liked for Netflix series this year, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. On oh, Netflix, that's uh, yeah. Which is I've got to get in on that. Really cool. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a few Netflix list. series where they've just been fine. Yeah. And I think this is or just not. This is a step or two above that. Or I think it's Good. actually pretty enjoyable to watch. And they just came out with a Christmas special, um, uh, like a week ago. Yeah, I just watched that as well. It's been really good. I'm looking forward to series two. It's kind of different, uh, kind of w- weird and dark and funny and quirky in a way that kind of really, really gets me going. Right. I thought it was great. I'll go um, in on that. I reckon yeah. that might be a good one to watch with a partner. I also thought uh, The Good Place was good fun. Uh, it's a comedy on Netflix. I feel like it's one of those shows, and often people say this to me, I tell them to get fucked, where you really sort of have to watch a few episodes to get into it. Arch is like that. Archer, I feel like, it, it's sort of the first time I watched it, got me to episode oh, yeah. no, three totally or right. four before you sort of like, oh, like, I'm all, all in. Yep. And I think The Good Place is exactly like that for me. It's not, The Arch is like my favorite comedy of all time, yep. I think. And the newest season of that, I watched this year as well, that was great. Mm. But um, The Good Place, I think it's just really cool. And the way, there's this sort of, the story changes in a pretty fundamental way at the sort of the end of uh, season one or two. Um, and it makes it really good. It sort of rejuvenates the whole series and makes it fun to watch again. Um, Personally, yep. I think it's one of the worst pieces of popular media I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, really? I couldn't stand it. Uh, my partner and I watched five episodes of it. Fuck. And during the fifth episode, she turned to me and <laughs> said, are you enjoying this? And I said, no, I can't stand it. Can we please stop watching it? And we had both... Like been just thinking that for episodes and episodes t- and episodes. Two episodes at least. Yeah, right, yeah. okay. I think that the acting is some of the worst I've ever seen on a television. And I actually kind of agree with you. the dialogue delivery is abysmal. I think it's one of those Netflix shows where I have enough laughs to keep me going. We I didn't laugh podca- out loud once in five episodes. Okay, right. No, I definitely did a few no. times. We, we listened to a couple of podca- podcasts that are the same. And one of the guys on uh, the Filthy Casuals podcast recently talked about the idea about you can re- you can recommend a TV show by saying, oh, it's great. Meaning, like, it's a great piece of art. Like, The Sopranos yeah, or yeah, Breaking yeah. Bad. And it's a fucking, like, artistic... It's of, it's of high artistic merit. Yep. Where it's sometimes when people say, oh, watch the show. It's a great show. It means, like, you can just turn it on and do other shit for hours. Yep. And I feel like The Good Place is like that for me. <laughs> so maybe it was tolerable because you were paying less attention than me. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Um, no, I, show- I've heard a lot of people really like it, my- and I don't yeah. know why. It's 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 almost like I can taste something in it that other people don't taste. Right, no. You know, I definitely, it's, it's that sort of shit. I definitely agree with you. You know how we watch a lot of Australian films where like, are these people terrible actors? This is yeah. just shit script. It's, it feels like kind of like that to me. It's so fucking strange. Yeah. The, for me, it was that the humor is so... Like, they... they it's like they're patting themselves on the back every time they make a joke. Because <laughs> yeah, okay, they stop to pause and like consider the joke when they've made it. They're like, how funny was that? 
moving on <laughs> to the next one. And I just couldn't fucking stand it. Yeah. And it's it sucks because I feel like it's a waste because yeah. the premise and the idea of the show, cool show, if you don't feel what I'm feeling about it, you'll fucking love it. Yeah. Because the, the premise is so interesting. The premise is really cool. Really um, great. It was enough to sell me on someone just like giving me a little uh, like taste of what about it was it, about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think to be honest, I should, haven't seen anything past season two. So as maybe, a listener, you should yeah. check it out because like, and <laughs> I'm advising that you do that because apparently people like this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. My actually favorite funniest show on television is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've right. seen that whole fucking show. I've seen every episode like four times. It's 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 so funny. Yeah, for me, I, I, I watched it and have enjoyed it, but I've also watched it and really not been in the mood. So Yeah, yeah. right. I cool. I would also recommend that in general. Great. Um, um yeah. I think I've got a whole had, bunch of stuff. What do you got? I had yeah, I'm just gonna like rapid fire some of these. T V series. Uh yep. I watched Fargo seasons one, two, and three. I haven't seen um, any of Fargo. That is Fucking excellent! That yeah. is uh, maybe my favorite TV series. Is every 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 episode every season, or every season is standalone? Every season is standalone. Right. Every do season. Ha- do you have to watch the Fargo movie? No. Correct. No, no, no. no I sort of can't they're unique standalone. I've never seen the Fargo movie. No. Okay, cool, great. Um, I think the f- the movie might closely follow the events of the first season, maybe, or maybe they're less related than whatever. That. Yeah. So, okay. Great. Yeah, no, but I would strongly recommend it. Uh, just. It's it, the tone is great. If you like Coen Brothers stuff, you'll love it. Okay. Full stop. Is it funny? Absolutely hysterical at points. Okay, at points, cool, it's great. very serious. I just thought it was kind of like a. It it sort of looked like an American take on Scandinavian crime dramas. I mean, no, it sort of could. It's be a fucked. black, 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 black comedy. So like there, you have to wait a long time for the laughs. But when you're waiting for the laughs, it's fucking engaging. So engaging. Okay, like, no, so sure. interesting. I'll watch it. Okay, and great. it's also shot really well, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. um, and the people from Wisconsin sound really funny. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly keeps lo- you going for a really long time. <laughs> the most lo-fi way to enjoy yeah. that show. Funny accents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also watched Broadchurch season one and two, which yeah, obviously is an old David show. Tennant but one? I haven't seen that yeah. either. Um, and again, I only know the, the male lead, but the female lead is in uh, the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie. And she's going to be really brilliant. Olivia Coleman. No, yes, she's, she's Olivia Coleman is brilliant, and she's uh, just. This is some of the. <laughs> she's she can she can be funny, but man, when she gets like, there are points in this series where she's crying and shaking because she's so angry. Sometimes she can barely speak. Yeah. Because what happens to her over the course of the two series is some of the darkest shit I've ever seen on TV. Um, and you, if it was. Acted by a different person, it wouldn't be as good of a series. Yeah, she's such a good actor. So she's ridiculous. just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I'm really glad that I went through. Beyond yeah. season two, it changes and is uh, not quite as good. But like, yeah, watch season one at least. Sure. Um, I would strongly recommend that. Movies that I watched that didn't come out this year, but that I watched as a result of doing this podcast... Goodwill Hunting saw for the first time. We didn't do that good. on the podcast though. Oh no, but I watched it thinking that we might. That's, so, that's a that's a fantastic movie. Goodwill Hunting is great. Matt, it was Matt Damon, Ben Affleck wrote that. Oh, the Did you know that they won an Academy good. Award for that writing? Yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah, um, really like great and nice to see Robin Williams. I'd seen bits and pieces, which I think detracted from my overall experience. Of right. It, but okay. Pretty good. Snowpiercer, um, which was sold to me as that's great. being a big dumb movie, not as good as people said. Okay. Still a net positive. Uh, the founder, which is a Michael Keaton one about McDonald's uh, movie. the guy who franchised McDonald's, <laughs> yeah, um, that was pretty interesting. 
it's it's got an M rating, so it never really does anything too dark with it. And you don't really get the it, gritty dark understory of McDonald's. Well, no, because that's the thing. The whole story <laughs> is about how the guy fucks over the original creators. Right. So okay. it could have been a lot more like, not maybe not violent or anything, but just like grittier, you know, showing yeah. the actual emotional turmoil, but it's very cartoonish. So I don't sure. know whether or not McDonald's was like, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Trainspotting 2, which came out 2016, 2017. Yeah. That was anyway, good fun. That was great. Um, Sicario 1 and a bunch more old films The Thing The Fly Good Bad and the Ugly and The Searchers uh, The Searchers I didn't enjoy but I included it as a pair <laughs> uh, um, I thought just before you get too quickly past it mm-hmm. I thought The Good the, the, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly and Apocalypse Now One of my now. highlights of this year Oh uh, yeah Apocalypse Now which is the next one Two of the best mention. movies we've seen this year I think Yeah, Absolutely up there If I could put them in my top 10 of like films I enjoyed yeah. they would be up there Maybe not Good, the Bad and the Ugly but Apocalypse Now definitely I thought The Good, the Bad and the Ugly um, was so much fun I'm really glad we watched it It was and I'm definitely going to check out more Sergio Leone films I think that's probably my favourite film of the year Good, like, the Bad and the Ugly Maybe it'd be Whoa. in my top five for uh, sure. You you loved it a lot. Yeah, um, it'd but be in my top five. Maybe not my, maybe not number one, but like, it'd be yeah. like in my top five for sure. In the same ways, it's like a all sorts of shit happens. It's fun. It's action. It's. All I'm sorts really of happy shit. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I also have recently, and we might do an episode on gangster films, maybe. But I watched <laughs> uh, Goodfellas, The Departed, and Scarface. The Departed. The Departed. The Departed. Uh. Those three really liked. <laughs> it's called um, The Deported, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, also uh, John, just stand-up comics, yeah. uh, John Mulaney, Kid Gorgeous at uh, Radio City. I've heard this great. Um, I think, I think, I think both I John Mulaney Netflix stand-up specials are absolutely yeah. fantastic. He's a hysterical comedian. Um, the Daniel Sloss stand-up specials are really good. I don't know if you've seen those, but he's great. Uh, yeah, he's got weird eyes. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, I haven't, but he is a great comic, so yeah. I'll check him out. And also Nanette. Um, is just an important thing to go and watch. Yeah. And I also really enjoyed it. I, I'm i sitting in the unfortunate situation of not finding her stand-up very funny at all. So I found that... It like, wasn't the funniest stand-up I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, I definitely agree. It's it hard some criticizing some it without without trying to detract from the message she gives out. I definitely, I definitely 100% agree with what she's saying. and It's really important mm-hmm. to get out there. But it felt... It just... It's, I just... I don't know. I like mediums folding back in on themselves, and I liked her using stand up as a vessel to criticize stand up and society as as a whole. So I didn't. I didn't think it was very. I I understand it's a very difficult thing to be funny about, um, Mm. but I just don't personally find her stand up that funny to watch. Yeah, I guess the thing that it sucks that stand up so subjective because there's a lot of shit like that where like you have to you have to pivot while you're watching it, and she uh, she tries to make you do that. Where well, while you're watching it midway through, you have to go. Okay, I'm no longer watching a stand-up comedy hour. Yeah, I I can't I, I can't hold her accountable for what I consider to be you know m- funny person make me laugh stand-up comedy because yeah. like it, it's it, almost a case, similar reason. John Mulaney is a better stand-up yeah. piece than Nanette, but yeah. I think that I would you know if I had to wipe one of them off the face of the planet. John Mulaney would be the one to go because right. I think Nanette is more significant. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know? almost the same reason why I enjoy why I was mentioning the shit about political messages. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Black yeah, Klansman yeah. and shit before. I like, get what you mean. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I just as media, I loved. I've heard it's great. That. Like, I have the same thing. I've heard it's fucking great, and I've watched it, and I just it didn't click with me for whatever right. reason. But yeah, cool. Um, watch that though. She's great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Despite what is it? TV series I was really excited for in 2018, but that turned out to be total shit was uh, Unfortunate Events. 
Maybe that came out in 2017. Oh, yeah. But they keep releasing that, and it just <laughs> it's bad enough to warrant a mention. So anyway. shit. <laughs> yeah. And I just hated that it was shit because I was looking forward to it for so long. Yeah. Um, See, that's the mistake that you made. Having hope. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Don't do that. It was drilled out of you ages ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um. But yeah. No. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh, oh, I the, guess did we mention the thing? I fucking love the thing. I, I quickly skipped over it, but as my in my honorable mentions. No, I think that the, um, the thing was the coolest like thriller horror also, action movie I saw this year. Excellent. Yeah. That would have been in my top top ten for sure. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, cool. All right. Um so I guess the the next section after that, if you Great. didn't have anything else to talk about, is like Come on, that's we'll move on to the next one. Other media. Great, yeah. okay. Other media. Um, I think that's... <laughs> so, we've sort of been doing a bit of TV series stuff in there. So, we're really just thinking about a lot... We we're, both... We're d- frogging hot watering you guys up to make this <laughs> a podcast about plays. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Stoppard, first of all. Uh, now, I... Um, we listen to a lot of like other podcasts, a lot of other music and video game type shit in mm. our spare time. And I think those have... A lot of them are so good and have enough merit that I think they're worth talking about on their own. Right. You want to go first? What do you got? Sure. Uh, well, we went to a concert um, that was Nils Fram, who is a German oh, yeah. modern classical pianist, uh, but that's kind of underselling him a little bit because he uses a lot of like electronic production and uh, and a lot of instrumental stuff. So I really, that's the second time I've seen him live. First was at the Sydney Opera House. Uh, and I thought, once again, just an absolute delight to, to go and see. So if yeah. you have Nils Fram, spelled N-I-L-S-F-R-A-H-M. Yeah. Uh, he is just a an incredible musician. And he does really um, cool... The thing about Nils Fram that I like is he does really cool stuff with... Um, the instrument of a piano, right? Yeah, and like sort of the way he's inspired to write music. Like a lot of the albums I got into was back when he was he was already releasing music when we were in high school. Yeah. And for example, he broke fingers in his hands um, in some bike accident or whatever. Yeah, he fell uh, out of a bunk bed like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, right. he, bro- he broke a couple things in one of his hands and so he wrote music during his therapy sessions, he wrote music he could play without using those fingers, which mm. is cool. Um, he moved into some apartment in Berlin where his neighbors didn't like the fact that he was playing piano loudly, so he stuffed his whole piano with felt, and that changed the sound of his piano so drastically and gave him such different, interesting tones that he wrote a whole album around that. Mm. Um, he has a couple albums that, that are kind of themed enough that I really like the idea of. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's weird, I think, about watching live instrumental music is you sort of feel... <laughs> I don't know. It just feels weird to sort of sit there and just watch. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really know. I, it. I really liked watching him do it. Um, and a, just a charming performer as well. Such such yeah. quiet German charisma. <laughs> um, so, yeah, really lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. And there were a couple of other albums that I checked out that I think are probably worth people listening to. Um, these didn't come out this year, but I went through them. So <laughs> the, where these are coming from is that uh, I have a playlist where whenever I encounter music that I don't know, I add it to this playlist and I go through that playlist and uh, make note of whether or not I actually enjoy that music yeah. and check out more of that artist or whatever. Um, and I give it a grade. So a couple of ones that I gave A's. Uh, we're an album by uh, Ten Walls called Queen, um, which is like a down tempo album with a lot of like really rich kind of classical instrumentation. Um, check out When Muses Return as is that a like song. vocal vocal kind of music there. Sampled vocals, no, right. So okay. uh, mostly electronic. Okay. Um, there was also uh, uh, an artist called Hundred Waters with an album uh, The Moon Rang Like a Bell. Right. So that's a female vocalist. It sounds a little bit like Imogen Heap. Um, okay. And it's got really beautiful instrumentation to it, so I would check that one out too. And then there was an EP 
Um, oh no, it's a full album. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's an EP. Um, Water Roller Coaster. Uh, <laughs> Summit, spelled S U W M E T, with an album called Voyage or an EP rather, um, which is like a really nice little tropical house dance EP. Short and great. Cool. Really liked it. Um, albums I liked the most this year. I'm actually holding. He's I don't holding the vinyls. <laughs> um, Babe Rainbow. The Babe Rainbow are a band that came out with an album called Double Rainbow this year, which is really cool. It kind of reminds me of 70s folky, rocky kind of psychedelic uh, seems stuff. Seems like a bit of a departure from what you normally listen to. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, they sound the most like the acoustic soft stuff that King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard do. Oh, cool. So if you okay. like their stuff. Getting shit, super into those guys at the moment. I kind of like their aco- softer acoustic stuff. So oh, sorry. Jumping back, yeah. Stonefield's latest album yeah, they're is cool. fucking great. Um, and I only just kind of discovered them, so yeah, yeah should should probably mention that. But yeah, I'm, okay. I'm big Keep into going. like 70s rock type stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. This is all me too. There's this Australian band that came out with them. Uh, they're called Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. Oh, that's a cool. They album came album. out, yeah. They came out with an album called Hope Downs that was fantastic. It's like Australian jangle rock, if that's a genre that mm. makes sense to you. They sound a lot like the Go Betweens almost. Um, Dick Diver is a band that came out a few years oh, ago yeah. that these guys sound a lot like really really cool. like that album it's got fantastic lyrics on it um, and every song sounds I feel like a lot of albums like this all the songs kind of sound the same but this is all kind of super varied and I really enjoyed it right. um, another band an album I listened to this year I think it came out this year they're called Super Organism mm. they kind of sound like if the internet made an album it's like everyone made the album communicating on there's like eight people in the band communicating on Skype they hadn't met yeah they like weren't in there in person at yeah. any stage during the album they hadn't met until they started doing a world tour and started <laughs> actually doing a concert that's fucking um, cool they're really really cool um, lots of weird electronic textures to the whole mm. album um, the vocalist has this really re- interesting like singing style that's really great if you're interested enough to get into them watch their NPR Tiny Desk concert that's super organism they're really cool it's kind of electronic great pop music if that makes sense yeah um, the other album that came out this year that I thought was just the best album ever was Good Mood by Ballpark Music. Okay. Big yep. into Ballpark Music, and I feel like they've been a part of my life for so long. They're getting to the stage where they're back catalogue, because I've listened to Happiness and... The surrounding suburbs. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I kind of haven't properly listened to their albums following that Yeah. Um, in a concentrated fashion, and they're approaching having too much of a back catalogue for me to... <laughs> you know, the, well, like, they have a couple albums... It's intimidating sort of, to go in on. They went a bit weird and sort of went a bit rocky and psychedelic, and so they have a whole like bunch that of different stuff, stuff that's too. really weird and different, though. Yeah, exactly. So they've clearly done experimenting, and this is kind of like a nice balance between the older acoustic pop stuff they did and some weird, uh, more psychedelic-y rock stuff. Okay. Um, and all the songs just feel like I've known them forever. Mm. And I think ballpark music have just become such an. It's I saw like the them friendliest music. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I saw them live this year as well. And they were great. Um, yeah, I've seen them a bunch. They're yeah. really they're always they're always the, a great time. The best live show I've ever seen is every time I see them. Yeah. Um, and I think they've just they just I have this weird nostalgia for them now. Even though they feel like to me like a new band, like I feel like I've known them for like ten years or something now. Right. They just feel like they're in such a big part of my life. When they come out with it was just is their best album they've ever done. I think it was great. Mm. Um, the other one I've mentioned it a couple of times is the Beatles released their remix of the White Album this mm. year and it's so good you were talking at the beginning of the episode about when a remaster of a game comes out and you're like wasn't this the way it always was and you go back and you can't yeah. um, the remixes that the Beatles have done of Sgt. Pepper and the White Album are like that for me right. you go back and they've improved it so much and you don't even notice you go back to the old one and sort of A-B them yep um, if you're not really that much even into the Beatles, I think it's worth listening to the White Album. 
Yeah. And if, if you're you, going to listen to any of any new yeah. Beatles album that you haven't heard before, listen to the White start Album. Start with it the remake like of the White a, Album. It sounds like it sounds like a modern rock album. It's so cool. It's right. so different and varied. Like the White Album has Revolution, Helter Skelter, and Blackbird all on the same album. Mm. It's got like this nine those minute. Those are three very different sounding songs. Yeah, for those got, of you who yeah. haven't heard them before, it's got this. It's got this nine minute fucking avant garde sound collage that John did with George and Yoko. It's got all sorts of crazy like Chuck Berry and Beach Boys inspired shit. It's got all this like. It's just it's a really varied album, and I think it's a really interesting look into their career. And also, if, you're in the, if you it, want to get into the Beatles, if you're vaguely interested in it, my point is, make sure you listen to the 2018 version of it because it's right. the best version. I, I think in the same way that um, going back and watching The Good, The Bad and The Ugly to see how it's influenced yeah. things moving forward um, is interesting to do as an exercise yeah. even if you wouldn't normally watch that kind of thing. Listening to the White Album is interesting to just yeah. hear, hear what it did back in whatever year it was really 1969 or 68 I think yeah. yeah 1968 as an exercise to to see what's what might have come of that and what it might remind you of the from, yeah. from today's modern modern era absolutely yeah. um so that's that, that's all the music, music I sort of wanted, yeah. to, to, wanted to mention all right um well I got one more category for yeah. you video games because oh, we're mean? both white yeah. boys aren't those no video, video games are for children oh, I don't, I don't play video games I <laughs> 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 uh, didn't play any because I'm not a <laughs> fucking loser <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, so good. I've almost finished Red Dead Redemption 2, and it's got such a great story. I think it's my favorite Rockstar game. I would say whenever I've had a commitment since that game came out, any commitment, yeah. it has annoyed me that you because couldn't I couldn't just keep going with this game. I've literally... People have asked if they want to hang out. If like, hey, hey, do you want to see a movie? Do you want to grab dinner or whatever? And I've caught myself several times almost saying no because I wanted to sit at home and play Red Dead all night. Right, and like, I'm sure that like, that means a couple of times you did say no. No, hundred percent. No, I mean just like it's it's just such an immersive game. It's so good. I sort of couldn't yeah. give a fuck about Grand Theft Auto very much at all, and it's never hooked I think me as much as this game has. You're either listening to this. You're either a person who plays games or a person who doesn't. And if, doesn't if you do play, it. if if you do, um, you'll know what the discourse around it is yeah. if you don't it's it's a game based in the west like the wild west in like the dying era of it and you play part of a bunch of or, or a band of people that are clinging to that way of life despite you're in this criminal changing gang world. and they're always talking about how the world is changing so rapidly and they're like there's no real spot for us in this world anymore yeah. and you sort of one of the big parts of the game is like the industrial the industrialization of the world and the commercialization of the wild west mm. and just the way in which every single part of the story just has this element of loss and tragedy to it and it, is like so good. kind of the inexorable tide of progress yeah. slowly starting to push you out. Yeah. Like um, it, it almost feels like the sort of emotions you get when you sort of go through the stories of those Shakespearean tragedies. Right. Where like just fucking or like a Coen Brothers film which is fucking everything goes wrong for every character. Fuck you. Yeah, no matter how much they try to do anything yeah. right. Yeah. Um and I think it's it's interesting as an exercise in like immersion. Um mm. it's it's so like one thing that if you don't play games a whole lot, um, you might not have considered about video games is that they're, <laughs> they're extremely time intensive and expensive to make. And because yeah. like not, I mean, it's, it's a growing industry, but um, it's still not anywhere near the scale of Hollywood. 
Um, and so to <laughs> to release well, Grand Theft Auto made a billion dollars to make money off a yeah. game. Yeah, but it's a rare beast, you know. Yeah. And, and no coincidence that the same company <laughs> released that game too. Yeah. So um, Rockstar is a company. A, a, a rare company in the video games industry that has enough money to basically make blockbuster games where there's, you know, they have a director, um, they have producers, the people who are working on this game put thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into yeah. producing it. And um, it's got like a whole world. It's a like different, it's every, almost a different class of video game to, it, to you uh, know, what, what people normally think of. But like literally every leaf and every blade of grass is like handcrafted and put there yeah. deliberately by someone. Yep. And like every hill and the contour of every valley and the way in which all the animals move around and oh it's just such a beautiful the game. The script had uh, like so, the script was needed multiple people to carry it or something <laughs> like that. Like it couldn't yeah, there's so much dialogue in in and one of those one of those things where I've talked about this maybe before but the best moments in 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 video games for me are when you think to yourself internally, yeah. I wonder if I can do this. And, and you totally can. And, you, and, and the game not only predicts that you may have chosen to do that, but has an interesting response to yeah. you doing that. It, because I think that's what makes it feel the closest to real life, is what happens if I do this? There's, yeah. a, there's a, you know, you put in an action and there's a, a properly authentic reaction to that. The and this Zelda game is... Zelda Breath of the Wild was like that in 2017 as well. Right. They just had fucking... That's another one that I everything. only started playing this year. Oh, man, so um, good. A couple of other interesting gaming experiences that I had. Uh, Prey, just yeah. P-R-E-Y. I started that and I was too bad at it. <laughs> um, that is another one that's actually uh, fucking brilliant. If, if, you, if you're a gamer... Um, it's kind of half lifey like, and you're on a space station. Yeah, so it's, yeah, exactly. I think the idea of it being you, 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 uh, you end up going... Because there's a bit of a an interesting introduction. Yeah. You end up going to a space station, and um, there are really, really interesting aliens right, yeah. there. And just the storytelling is is fantastic. Um, once again, a, a game that has a really strong direction and art vision behind it. Great dialogue, great voice acting, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, in a one of the weirder experiences I've had in gaming, I went back to Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. <laughs> Why? Because it's still being played on PC. Um, <laughs> like so I servers yeah, up. I put like 40 hours into the multiplayer. <laughs> oh, um, this year. Well, it's, it's not dedicated servers, so you play on someone's, like someone hosts. All right. Um, I'm so shit at online games and the internet in the room in my house where like all my gaming shit is, like is so bad yeah. that I just can't play online games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I went I back like to this it. one because Black Ops 4 was coming out and I was like, do I need to buy it? I already own one Call of Duty <laughs> game and this this is, so this was out when we were in this right. game out while we were in high school right. yeah. Um, yeah. and it's an incredible testament that I think almost 10 years later people are still playing the online multiplayer that's so um, that's and so it, it was a, still a, still fun like still a good experience yeah. um, so that was an interesting one for me if, you, if you're getting a little getting a little nostalgic for um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 just know that there are still people out there playing it 10 years later a few other good games uh, Golf Story on the Switch is a charming little that was um, a great little game it, I think I if, finished that a surprising number of people played Mario Tennis for the Game Boy Color this is the closest thing I've come to playing that again. It was a great right. game. Really fantastic. Um, Breath of the Wild, as you said. It's like a golf, golf Story on the Switch, not to brush over that. It's really cool. It's like a funny golf RPG. 
One thing that's really it's interesting like Pokemon about it, with a big overworld. If the main little, if the little games in it were golf games, right? And the the <laughs> way that it uses the rumble on the Switch is really interesting because it matches the rumble with a dialogue and makes the Switch make noises like robot noises based on the rumble settings that it's it's outputting. So like, right. if you sink, I didn't even notice if that. you sink a ball, the rumble will go like. Poof, and it'll like do it quickly and then slow it down and it'll make like, yeah. It's, so yeah. it's weird having a console interact with you in that way. And it's a pretty cool little indie title. And it's like, I think it's like 10 bucks or something. It's worth it. Yeah, it's cheap. You if you've got a Switch, it's great. Uh, and the last one was Persona 5, which is a game that took me over 100 hours to complete. Oh my God. That looks like the sort of game I would hate. There's so much replayability. <laughs> um, it really incredible art direction, that, but there's so much replayability in it and I'm not going back in. I just can't. I can't yeah. do it to myself. I'm never... The game has been like, I put the disc in the case and I put it on my shelf behind all my other games because <laughs> I'm never touching that stupid game again. Um, but it's good. I really liked it. It's great. And some of the strongest art direction I've ever seen in a game. Uh, okay, it's cool. by a Japanese company based in Tokyo. It's very weeby, but um, yeah. yeah, really, really fun experience. Okay, great. That uh, pretty much ties it up. Right? I hope this has been interesting. Yeah. Um, we've had this an absolute... peek behind the curtain of the other shit that we do. Yeah. Um, it's been an absolute... Bumper episode, and yeah. it's been a great first year Ooh, for Beef hectic. Station. We've been only going for about six months or so now. Mm. Um, I don't know what episode number this one's going to be. Oh, it's, like it's, it's like 29 or something, or some yeah. weird shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that people seem to be enjoying it. Mm. I'm glad it's really fun for us to do. I feel like even if it dwindles off and we st- <laughs> we, we end up just getting out of like my dad Fading listening. Into oblivion. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy you're doing it. It's been yeah. it's been actively making me think about movies differently and watch different movies that I might it's, not have. That's otherwise. the best thing for me. It's been making me watch movies that I never would have watched. Yeah. So we hope that it's and doing the same thing for you. I guess we hope so as well. Let us know. I'd be curious to know whether this whether this podcast has made you go out and watch any movies you might not have otherwise. I know there are some for better or for worse. Some listeners are, are trying to do that, and we're yeah. sorry that we're so bad at sticking to our schedule. <laughs> yeah. Life gets yeah, exactly. in the way sometimes, but um, yeah. Uh, any feedback you have for us, let us know. We'll be keen to have it. Thank you for listening. Yeah. You got anything else, boy? No, just that um, we really like interacting with you guys. So, yeah, uh, we, we sort of say it every episode, but honestly, like, post on the Facebook group. You yeah. know, we, we should probably be a little more active on it tell as your, well. But tell your friends. The best thing you can do for this podcast is to tell your friends yeah, to listen to it if you think it's great. To these, two, um, these two morons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you would tell your friends more if we said fuck less, let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Uh, Merry 2018. Merry to 2018. You. Yeah, have a. Hope you had a great Christmas and a new year. Here's to this year being a bit fucking better. <laughs> yeah. Look forward to all the things to come for 2019 in mm. the Beef Station world. We haven't mentioned it. We got brand new artwork. Oh done yeah. By, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you to uh, artist, a- comedian, and podcaster Tommy Daslow, mm. who worked with us to get the artwork. Strongly we- influential in us doing this. I yeah, think. I think yeah. so. We absolutely love our new artwork mm. which is why we buried the thank you two episodes later at two hours into <laughs> our retrospective yeah. episode well but yeah. it's not like he's ever going to listen to this shit so probably not no but thank you very Hi, much Tommy. thanks buddy thank you very much to Tommy Dassler we absolutely love the artwork it's great and he does um, commissions we commissioned it so obviously yeah. so um, <laughs> if you hit up his Facebook page if you've got something that you want artwork done for he's a great uh, comic book style yeah. artist great mm. uh, yeah well, thanks for listening to another week I'm Oscar Andrew see you later Let's go in.